Now, we are especially delighted tonight to have our sister again with us, Anna Farrell, and we do thank her for coming, and we appreciate that. And she's going to come now and minister to us. She's going to sing two pieces at this time.
for those two lovely pieces and really blessed our heart already. I wish I could sing like that. You're probably saying, well, who are we? But I, I really, truly mean that. We do thank you and we look forward to you singing just a little later in the service. Now, turn with me tonight in the Bible to First Chronicles if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you. If you don't, perhaps you could share with someone else. First Chronicles chapter 21. And as you're turning to the place, we do welcome all of you in the Lord's name. We're so glad to see you. And for those who are visiting with us again, uh, we're really delighted to have fellowship with you. And for those who are here maybe for the very first time, we want to say thank you for coming. And the Lord bless you and bring you back again in his will. Now, normally we have our harvest service at the start of the month. This is the first year ever we have had it on the third Sunday. And the reason for that is that we were away, some of us, in the land of Israel and were only back last Sabbath evening. Um, so the, the harvest services have fallen today and then with me being away and just coming back, then it was difficult to get someone to come and preach. Now we were thinking this morning about the hope of the harvest and tonight again we're going to have another harvest theme. In First Chronicles, if you found the place at chapter 21, we're going to break into the reading at verse 14. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 14. Let's hear the word of the Lord. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. 
And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said to David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offering, were at that season in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a burdened soul. Your trouble, some situation, some struggle you're facing, maybe grappling with some sin, then we would ask you just to remember the Bible says, Cast thy burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. And where do you bring your burdens to? To the Lord's feet at Mount Calvary. And we'd encourage you to do that even by faith. Sister Anna's going to minister another message. Thank you. Oh Lord my God.
your behalf. We do thank Anna for coming tonight. It's been a real blessing to hear our sister minister again to us in song. And we do pray the Lord will bless these messages by the Holy Spirit to our hearts. Now, my text tonight is taken from 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and the verse 22. It reads as follows, Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And I want us to think tonight of a simple theme, and it's this, learning from Ornan's threshing floor. Now, the scene before us is one of a man called Ornan the Jebusite threshing wheat. If you look at verse 20, it says, Now Ornan was threshing wheat. The day of threshing, the wheat and the corn and the barley was a familiar day, a familiar scene in the land of Israel in 1000 BC. In fact, uh, there's some in Northern Ireland that the scene of threshing would have been a familiar sight, especially in the 1930s and in 40s and 50s. And some of you, perhaps, who are a little bit older can remember the day that the thresher arrived in the farmyard to thresh the corn on the family farm. A day, of course, when the wheat or the corn was separated from the chaff until the wheat or the corn was safely gathered in to the barn. Now, there's no such scenes now, I believe, in modern farming in Northern Ireland because of the introduction of the combine harvester. And the introduction of the combine harvester, sadly, has made the thresher redundant. But before that, it was a familiar scene, not only in Northern Ireland, but a very important time and day in the life of the farm. Well, you see, the scene of threshing is found in the Bible. It says, now, Ornan was threshing wheat. In fact, there's 19 references to the threshing floor in the Bible. And nine of these references have to do with the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And I put it to you tonight that this indeed is a very particular place. And in that very place, there's a wonderful, remarkable event took place way back in the days of King David. And that's what we want to think about tonight. Here's the theme. Lessons from Ornan's threshing floor. And I have four things and I'd try to be brief. I want you to think of the significance of the threshing floor. You see, the threshing floor spoken of here in 1 Chronicles 21 and also in 2 Samuel 24 verses 10 to 24 is one of the most well-known places in the whole of the world. Where is it? Today, it is also known as one of the most contentious places in the whole world. And some of us are just back from the land of Israel. And this was one of the places that our party visited during our tour. Today, it is known as a different name. It is known as the Temple Mount in the city of Jerusalem. But in Bible times, it was known as the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Look with me at verse 18. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now it's also known as the threshing floor of Arunach the Jebusite. It's one and the same man. This man had two names. So think of the same man with two different names. And in fact, in the historicity of this place, it goes all the way back to the days of Abraham. 
Because, remember, it was in the land of Moriah, according to Genesis 22 and 2, in one of the mountains that God showed to Abraham, that that was the very place that Abraham was to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. So think back to the days of Abraham. Think of Abraham and Isaac going up Mount Moriah, and Isaac's to be sacrificed unto God. Remember, God told Abraham to do that. Uh, Isaac was Abraham's only son whom he loved. Uh, and the Lord wanted to test him to see that if Abraham loved him more than he loved his son. And of course, Abraham believed in the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead. And he believed that if he killed the son of promise, that God would raise him up again. Such was his faith in God. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So, so think of Abraham being led up a mountain called Moriah. That's what the Bible tells us, Genesis 22 and 2. And in the land of Moriah, upon one of the mountains there that God showed him, uh, Isaac was to be offered up. And you know the story how the ram was caught in the thicket and how the ram was offered in the stead of Isaac. Now, now we're reading in the Bible here that David also purchased this place. He purchased the threshing floor of Orn and the Jebusite. He paid 600 shekels of gold. Wait for it. Look at verse 25. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. In a parallel passage in 2 Samuel 24, we read that he also bought the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So, so there's no mistakes in the Bible. There's no contradictions. He paid 600 shekels of gold for the threshing floor in the surrounding area. And he paid 50 shekels of silver for the oxen and probably for the wood, etc. To offer the sacrifice to God. And in that very threshing floor, David built an altar. Unto the Lord. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and David called on the Lord in the ground of the blood of sacrifice. And that's what we read in the Bible. It says in verse 26 And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called upon the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. Now, let me tell you something else about this particular place. In this particular place, King Solomon, who was David's son, built the temple here. And it's known to this day as the Temple Mount. Now, how do I know that? Is that speculation on my part? Is that a bit of conjecture? Have I sort of made that up with a bit of sanctified imagination? The answer is no. You see, when I compare Scripture with Scripture, I find in the Bible a reference to all of these places together. And I want you to see that. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. You should underline this in your Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then Solomon, the word then is hotan, means at that time, Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. In Mount Moriah. That was the same place that Abraham was sent to. Notice what it says there. Where the Lord appeared unto David his father. In the place that David had prepared. In the threshing floor of Ornan. The Jebusite. Notice how the Holy Spirit links it up. There's a reference to Abraham and Mount Moriah. There's a reference to David preparing the, the altar and offering sacrifice on the threshing floor of Orn and the Jebusite. And there's a reference here that Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at this very place. You see, I believe tonight that Abraham had a prophetic glimpse of Calvary. Remember the Lord Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. John 8 verse 56. I believe that King David that day as he built the altar and offered the burnt offering and the peace offering and no doubt the meat offerings and called on the Lord. I believe also he had a prophetic view of Mount Calvary. He was acting as a prophet. 
And I believe as well that when King Solomon was building the temple of the Lord there, he was also building in view of the prophetic thought of Mount Calvary. Because this was the place, Mount Moriah, and one of these mountains, where the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite was located. This was the place that God had chosen to put his name there. Isn't Calvary a very important place? You see, these events in 1 Chronicles 21, 2 Samuel 24, they all speak of Calvary. They all speak of the cross work of Christ. That They're all pointing us to the significance of Christ's person and work. You, you think tonight of little Isaac, maybe as a young boy, 14 to 17, carrying the wood up the hill of Moriah to go to the mountain to be sacrificed there. And didn't our Lord Jesus carry the cross through the very streets of Jerusalem? You, you think of Isaac as the son of promise. The son that Abraham, his father, loved. And isn't Jesus Christ the son of God? Doesn't the Bible say the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me? You think of the ram offered in the stead of Isaac. You see, the sacrifice there speaks of substitution. You have to think of the substitutionary work of Christ. Think of this threshing floor. And we could think about the theme of the Lord of the harvest gathering the harvest home. And in that threshing floor was the separation of the wheat and the tares. And, and, and through the cross there's a great separation. There's a great divide. Because the Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. And the Bible says let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You see all that's taking place here. All speaks of the redemptive work of Christ. It's redemption in the ground of the blood. That's the significance of the threshing floor. Now, I want you to think secondly here, if you follow with me in the reading, the scene at the threshing floor. Because you see, this threshing floor, if you read it very carefully, had become a place of punishment for sin. Look at our text. David said in verse 22, that the plague may be stayed from the people. You see, there was terrible judgment taking place before the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Here was a most solemn event. Look at verse 16. Link it up in the Bible. It says, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem, then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell on their faces. Think of this angel of the Lord. And there he's standing between earth and heaven. And what's he got in his hand? He's a drawn sword in his hand. It's stretched out over Jerusalem. An angel with a drawn sword. It's got a very important message, has it not? Does the drawn sword in the hand of the angel of the Lord not speak of terrible judgment? Why? Because of sin. Look at verse 14. The first verse that we read. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. I'm going to show you in a minute how David sinned. And as a result of that sin, numbering the children of Israel, 70,000 men of Israel were now dead. You see, God, in his infinite justice, the stricture of his holiness, started in the countryside to judge the children of Israel. 70,000 were dead. He now proceeded to destroy the city of Jerusalem and it was only God himself that stopped the angel. It says, and God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, it is enough, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Think of God stopping him with the drawn sword in his hand over the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Isn't it interesting that God stopped 
with the family of Ornan the Jebusite. Think of how he started in the countryside in a general sense. And then he moved into the city. And then he becomes very particular and the angel puts his eye on a family at work threshing wheat on the threshing floor. And we read in verse 20, And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat from the general to the city to the individual. See, that's God's way. None will escape the judgment of Almighty God. You think of those that will try to hide in a crowd. But the Bible says, then every one of us shall give an account of himself to the Lord. And if you're here tonight out of Christ and you've no mediator and you've no righteous advocate to plead your cause before the face of God's great and terrible wrath, then you'll stand alone and you'll discover there's no place for you to hide and no place for you to run. And isn't that the picture tonight of every unregenerate sinner out of Christ? The Bible says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And do we not read in verse 36 of John 3, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Over the head of every unregenerate sinner tonight, Hangs the sword of God's holy wrath. He that believeth not is condemned already. Just waiting the sentence to be carried out. Why? Why was this happening at this time? Well, let me point this out to you. It was happening because of sin. Look back in your Bible there to First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1 that says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab, that was his commander-in-chief, and to the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. Now, now think of that. Here's David's sin in numbering the children of Israel. And David's to discover that he's personally responsible for this sin. But not only was there personal responsibility in David's part, but I want you to notice there was satanic involvement. Did you know that the devil provoked David to number the children of Israel from Dan to Beersheba? Where's the true origin of sin lie? Does the Bible not say, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and Joe's death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned? And, and who prompted Adam and Eve to sin in the very beginning? Who tricked them? Who, who tempted them? Well, well, the answer is the devil, Satan himself. He's the true author of every sin and every rebellion before the Lord. He, he provokes individuals. He prompts individuals to sin against the Lord. How many today make light of sin? How many refuse to accept their own personal responsibility for sin? How many refuse to accept that they're accountable for their own individual lifestyle of thought and word and deed? They want to blame others. Didn't Adam blame Eve? Didn't Eve blame the devil? Now the devil indeed, of course, did provoke and entice and tempt Eve to sin. And Adam, he sinned openly by disobedience. He also provoked and enticed and tempted David to sin. You see, sin's not a light thing. Sin remembers the transgression of the law. That's what the Bible says. Sin is the transgression of the law. And what comes as a result of sin? Death. Sin pays wages. The devil provokes thousands to sin, to act contrary to the word of God and the law of God. And what follows in its wake? These sins bring death and destruction upon their own souls and in their own lives. And that's a true pattern here. You behave and act contrary to the mind and the word of God. You, you sin in, in any shape or form and thought and word and deed, and it brings death and destruction in its wake. And, and that's what was happening here. David had listened to the mindset, the voice, the, the, the motivations of the devil. Job advised him, Joab, not to do it. Remember, David's a man after God's own heart. He lived for the Lord. He loved the Lord. He, he, he lived for his law. And yet in this particular area, he, he disobeyed. 
Maybe David was not aware of the devil at work. Maybe he forgot about the law of God. But Job absensed it. He was fearful. Look at verse 3. His commander-in-chief, the, the second right hand of the king. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people an hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? You see, Job, Joab questioned this. His heart wasn't in it. He even began to count the people from Dan to Beersheba. And the Bible tells us he didn't count Levi. He didn't count Benjamin. Why? Because he thought it was an abomination unto the Lord. And in fact, that's what the Bible tells us in verse 6. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them. For the king's word was abomination to Joab. Now, now I want to ask this in the few minutes that we have. Why did David do this? See, some have suggested, well, it was David's pride. Some have suggested, well, it was self-reliance. David now had become so popular and so famous that he thought, it's my army. How many soldiers have I got at my back and call? I don't remember. I can't count them, but I'll, I'll, I'll get a number for myself. Some have said, but it was David giving in to the will of Satan. But you know, those are not the real reasons. Now, there may be an element of pride involved. There may be an element of self-reliance. There was no doubt the devil was at the back of this. But I want to show you something. Look at your Bible. Let's compare Scripture with Scripture. Turn to the book of Exodus. And this is very important. Exodus 30, verse um, 12. This is the law of Moses. Moses gave this law to the children of Israel before they entered into the land of Canaan. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number... Then thou shalt give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them, when thou numberest them, this shall they give every one that passes among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is about twenty gira, and half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord." Now, here's the reason why God was so displeased. Here was the reason why this was a trespass to Israel. Here's the reason why there were 70,000 dead in the countryside because of the absence of the redemption money. See, Joab knew if there's going to be a numbering of the people that there had to be a ransom price for every soul. And the ransom price was half a shekel. Every 20-year-old person and upwards rich or poor, educated or uneducated, didn't matter. The paying of the ransom money needed to be paid and it was all the same. And if it was paid, there'd be no plague. But no collection of the ransom money, then there would be a plague upon Israel. And that's exactly what was happening. And here's the reason for the serious trespass. There was no redemption money handed over to the Lord. And what does that teach us? Surely that teaches us that you have to be redeemed to be numbered among the people of God. Everyone pays the same price. Only those numbered among the people by the redemption price are really counted as the Lord's people. And unless you pay the ransom price, you can't be part of the number of God's people. And isn't it the devil's work today to say to many who think that they belong to the Lord and are part and parcel of his people, they might be religious, they might be respectable, truthful and upright to their neighbor, that they might even be righteous in their own eyes and protest, I'm a good person. But if they ignore the redemption price of their souls, they're ignoring a very important truth. And David, David forgot this. Could I ask the question tonight? Have you ever realized or understood, come to see, that you're a sinner? You've broken God's law? You're under a sentence of death? That God's wrath hangs over your head? He that believeth not is condemned already. He that believeth not, the wrath of God abideth on him. 
And therefore you're not numbered among God's people. And therefore you need to be redeemed. Could you sing tonight, I am redeemed, oh praise the Lord. Isn't this one of the greatest perils in the land of Northern Ireland? Isn't it throughout the United Kingdom, an absence of a sense of sin? Sin no longer troubles many. There's a light approach to sin. And what does it do? It opens the door for judgment. And it opens the door for the onset of death and the wrath of God. And that's the scene at the threshing floor. I want you to think something else. The servant at the threshing floor. Now what are we told in verse 15? Look at verse 15. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. I want you to see that. The angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David saw the angel, verse 16, and David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord. And Ornan, he also saw the angel. Because it says, and Ornan turned back and saw the angel in verse 20. His four sons saw the angel and hid themselves. Now, who is the angel? The angel is one sent by God, the sent one. Isn't that what it tells us in verse 15? And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. This angel came to fulfill two offices, the office of a judge. He had a drawn sword in his hand. And also the office of a saviour or one who spares. And isn't this again what the Bible teaches in John three seventeen? For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen to this reference in 1 John chapter 4. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the saviour of the world. We're told... And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Think of Christ sent into the world on a mission of mercy. The true and righteous judge of all men. And yet he comes not in the role of judge, but he comes to seek and to save that which is lost. He comes as a saviour. He comes as a sparer to provide a way to escape the judgment. And here's this angel of the Lord at the threshing floor, and he fulfills these two very offices. He wants to spare. He wants to bring life and liberty because he's under the hand of God. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfills the office of a judge and the office of a saviour. The Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And yet the one who came from the everlasting glory is the eternal son of the everlasting father, the one who's in the bosom of the father. The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And Christ clothed himself in human flesh that he might bleed in that body, that he might die in that body, that through him we might be saved. But he's not only the sent one, he's the sacrificing one. Because I see Christ here as the sacrifice. King David set up an altar of sacrifice in Ornan's threshing floor. The sacrifices were offered. Blood was shed. Now, now think of this, an altar built in the place of judgment. An altar built in the place where God's wrath was being poured out. An altar built in this place where there was a, a blood sacrifice made. A precious, priceless sacrifice for sin. And surely it all points to Christ. Remember what we read in the book of Galatians? In Galatians chapter 4 and in the verses 4 and 5. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of of sons, And the Bible tells us, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Not only the significance of this place, not only the scene at this place, but think about the servant at the threshing floor. The one who was sent with the sword. And yet the one who was sent with the sword, his hand was stayed because of a blood sacrifice that was made. And I want to finish tonight. It's a few minutes past eight. Salvation at the threshing floor. 
You see, David's sin was put away on the ground of the shed blood that was offered on Ornan's threshing floor. Look at verse 27 of the same chapter. And it says, And the Lord commanded the angel to put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. Think of that. The sword now is sheathed. Why? Because the sacrifice has been offered. It's a complete blood sacrifice. The sacrifice has been accepted. Divine justice has been satisfied. And the door of mercy has now been opened in the ground of the blood. And pardon and peace flows forth. Isn't it wonderful to know tonight that the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives? And in Christ you can find a a hiding place for your soul. In Christ there's a place where God's judgment is averted. Here's here's 70,000 dead. And the angel stands with the drawn sword having swept through the land. And he's paused at Jerusalem over one family, Orn and the Jebusite. And in that very moment... Sin is recognized. David confesses his sin. Even I, it is I that have sinned. Sin is repented of. Sin is redeemed for on the ground of the blood. Isn't it wonderful tonight that when God gave David a choice, three years of famine for his sin, or three months of being destroyed by his enemies, or three days facing the sword of the Lord, David fell into the hands of the Lord. He said, because the hand of the Lord is merciful. He knew that God is merciful. And God comes through the angel of the Lord to Jerusalem. And as the angel is smiting the inhabitants of the city, he stopped. And at that point, sin is confessed. An altar set up. Where is it set up? The threshing floor of Orn and the Jebusite. And the plague is cancelled. Death is stopped in its tracks because a complete sacrifice has been offered. And there's the presentation of the blood sacrifice. Sin has been paid for on the altar of the threshing floor. Ornan wanted to offer it free. David insisted, I'll buy it. I'll pay the full price. In fact, he mentions that in verse 22, the full price. The altar is bought. The altar is built. The altar is used. The sacrifice is offered. And, and, and that burnt offering consumes the fire. And uh, peace offerings offered. It, 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 the, the, the individuals brought into a place of fellowship with God. And um, you see, when you come to know the Lord, not only is God's wrath put away, but you're brought into God's family. You're brought into the place of fellowship. And you begin to enjoy and experience the great knowledge of sins forgiven. The sword of God's judgment is put away. No need for judgment to fall again. The hymn writer said, and with this I finish, Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell in thee. Thou wast sore stricken off thy God. There's not one stroke for me. Thy tears, thy blood beneath it flowed. Thy bruising healeth me. Jehovah bade his sword awake. O Christ, it woke against thee. Thy blood, the flaming blade must slake. Thy heart its sheath must be. All for my sake, my peace to make. Now sleeps that sword for me. And as I finish tonight, I want to point this out to you. It all happened. At the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. He was a Gentile. They were the ancient inhabitants of Jerusalem and the surrounding area. They owned the temple area. But David bought it. And he got the title deeds to that area. And if you think of the land of Israel tonight, there's many places in that land where they actually have the title deeds of ownership. They have a God-given right to that area. Lessons from the threshing floor. You think of how significant it is in history, in Bible prophecy. You think of the scene, terrible judgment and death, the angel of the Lord with the drawn sword. Think of the servant who was sent to, to, to sacrifice and yet told to spare. All because of salvation on the ground of the blood. Where there was forgiveness. Where the fire of God's wrath was consumed. Where where the individuals were brought into fellowship with the Lord. 
all because of the blood sacrifice being offered. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you tonight.